Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky, co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Pick 6 Podcast, CBS Sports Daily NFL Podcast. I'm Will Brinson. I'm your host. We are counting down the days until Super Bowl LIV. It's going to be... L-I-T in Miami. See what I did there? It's a funny joke. We're going to do a mailbag uh, mailbag like podcast. It. Thanks, BMAC. BMAC will be Brian McFadden, two-time Super Bowl champ. But by the way, um, every when we were introduced for our Super Bowl preview on HQ, like CBS Sports NFL analyst, and I was like, you know, I'm starting to smile thinking they're going to be me. And it's like, and two-time Super Bowl champ. I'm like, oh, my God. Is that? And then I'm like, wait, what am I doing? Like, I kind of want them to be like CBS Sports senior NFL writer and zero-time Super Bowl winner Will Brinson. Like, I want them to just mock me by pointing out that I have no Super Bowl rings. BMAC, you have two. And that's sort of what we're going to do in this episode. We're going to talk about, you know, how to sort of approach uh, Super Bowls. Pete Prisco has covered, like, 45 of them. Uh, <laughs> BMAC has won two of them, obviously played in two. But, again, go to Apple Podcasts. Leave a five-star review if you had. Now is a great time to do it. If you like the show and listen to the show, go do it. Leave a five-star review. Leave a mailbag question or a comment about the t- things you love, hate about the show, whatever it is. Um so let's dive in. In fact, Pete has covered all 53, it says in the notes. That seems impossible. We'll roll with it. Uh, BMAC, you played in two Super Bowls. Three. Three. You play, oh, you played in three, one, two. Yeah. I don't like to talk about the one I didn't win though. Oh, the one, wait, which one did you? Green Bay, Dallas. Oh, that was my first one. The ice yeah. ball. That was the it's, first one I ever covered. It's probably your fault we lost since it was your first one. It probably is. Um, yeah. I wonder if, did you get a podium at the at media row, the media day? Uh, yeah. You had a podium. Okay. So, cause like, I remember, and I don't know if we talked about this. I was walking around the floor. Like, I mean, again, my first Super Bowl, I, I remember being just completely overwhelmed by the entire experience, uh, the entire week. Like you're just, you're just kind of amazed at what's going on. The first one I covered for CBS and, um, uh, on media day, I, I ended up like chatting up for a few minutes. This, this little, this young, I think rookie wide receiver named Antonio Brown, who, uh, had, had like, I don't know, 300 receiving yards or something like that in his, uh, in his, in his first year. You were a superstar, of course, on that great defense. So you had a podium. Uh, that means you've been to Tampa, Detroit, Dallas. and Dallas slash Arlington. That's not a great list. Like you kind of no, got not. robbed. It's not. It's you kind of got robbed not. of destinations, right? It was cold and snowy in Detroit, of course, February, late right. January. You're not surprised. Tampa was ideal. And then Dallas was supposed to be a pretty good Super Bowl weather-wise, but then they had a, a ice storm. It was very, very difficult to travel, and it was extremely cold and ugly as well. So, yeah, uh, but, uh, the cities that I had, I mean, out of three cities, we only had one good experience when it came to weather and uh, being able to move around and enjoy the sights and the sounds. Well, is that is that maybe better, though, like in terms of being able to focus? Because – I would have to imagine if I was going to a Super Bowl for the first time, even as a young player, and going to Miami, there's a lot of distractions going on. Like, how hard is it to get everybody focused and moving in the right direction and to keep guys from going out and partying? I know it doesn't happen as much anymore, but, like, you know, back in the day, you used to have instances where, like, dudes would get caught, you know, like, out Mm -hmm. uh, out (laughs) on the town. Uh, It doesn't seem to happen quite as much anymore, right? Yeah, a lot of guys are dialed in, I think teams and coaches they do a real good job in emphasizing why you are there and being appreciative of the moment of course you want to enjoy yourself because the majority of the coaches and the fans i mean and the players they have loved ones there that would like to experience this monumental opportunity with the player and you just got to understand and and go about the your business like you've been doing the entire process i remember the first super bowl uh with bill cower he made it known and he emphasized, guys, don't change anything you've been doing. He said, whatever you guys were doing, getting for us to get into the postseason and that keeping that same regiment through the postseason, you guys keep it going the week of the Super Bowl. 
So he said, you know, if you guys, because remember, I don't know if you guys remember, but in 05, we need to win our remaining four games just mm. to get an opportunity to get into the tournament to become the sixth seed. So we did that. And he, Kyle just said, hey, guys, whatever you guys been doing, keep doing it. And a lot of the guys was just hanging out, partying, you know, just kind of keeping their mind off of the task at hand. And we were like, shoot, man, coaches basically told us keep doing what we've been doing. So we're going <laughs> to keep doing what we're what we've been doing. And I think that has been that's the difference between a team that goes out and they're performing. They're more relaxed because they didn't make the moment bigger than what it was. Yeah. And so how I mean, what I think you were 24, maybe I think 20, 23. 23 or 24, that first Super Bowl, whatever it was. I yeah. mean, you don't, you, you're, it's your life. You don't have to look it up or tell me. I'll believe you on 23. Um, when you, I mean, was it, I mean, is it tough going out as a rookie and like, and being on that team and thinking like, holy crap, I'm playing for the freaking Super Bowl? I mean, like that, that feels to me like it might be a little bit intimidating. Yeah. But, but the, for us, like I said, the remaining four or three games, we were like in a game seven mentality. And we use that same mentality throughout the playoffs. And, of course, you know, it's a loot win and keep going once you get into the playoffs. So by the time we got to the Super Bowl, you know, we 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 embrace the moment. It was like, OK, if you win, you're a champion. If you don't, you go home. We had that same mindset mm. just to get into the playoffs. So we were accustomed to playing with everything on the line. And for us to to do what we did, remember, um, go let's go back in time. The first round. We played against Cincinnati, yep. of course, the Carson Farmer injury. Oh, but at that right. time, remember, Cincinnati was a top five offense. So the second round, we played against Indianapolis oh, yeah. and Cincinnati, Peyton Manning. Cincinnati went 11-5 and five that year and yeah. was one of the best offenses in the league. Yeah, so they were a top five offense. The The Colts were like a top three, top two offense, yeah. right? And then AFC Championship game, we played Denver, who was like, I think they had the either the – they were a top three also. And then they in were, the Super they Bowl, went, we played uh, yeah, it was Seattle. Mike- who had the MVP of the league in, in Sean Alexander, and they were a top three offense. So the last three ball games in the postseason, we played against the Colts, the Broncos, and the Seahawks. They were all one, two, or three. So by the time we played against Seattle, especially on the defensive end, we had so much confidence because we played, we, we literally kicked out the top, the five best, four best offenses in the National Football League in the postseason. Yeah, and I guess too, it's like, it's a little bit different. So like, like you said, you, you know, you know, looking back, you guys had, lost in weeks 11, 12, and 13 to the Ravens, Colts, and Bengals. Um, you know, lost pretty bad to the Colts, but overtime to the Ravens and, and barely lost to the Bengals by one touchdown. And so then you rip off four straight regular season wins to get in the tournament and then rip off three more. So you're on a seven-game winning streak. So it's almost like you get to the Super Bowl, you're like, we don't need to party. We're going to party when we go out and win this game, right? Like it's like, we had, like, like everybody's got the same singular mission. Like, hey, let's go win this freaking game, and then we are going to throw down because we had, nobody thought we'd be here. Well, we had so much confidence. Like you said, we need to win the last four regular season games. And then our playoff run, the offenses, the teams we played against, it was like – playing blackjack and just mm. hitting that out ideal shoot and you can't lose and now in blackjack you know you will lose but the object is to win more than lose for us we hit that that, that shoot where blackjack was coming blackjack was coming blackjack was coming and we just felt like we were unbeatable and it was like when we played seattle it was no we had no concern and we wasn't cocky we just had that much confidence because everything was working right for us on both sides of the football yeah, that game was never close, honestly. And I, I mean, you know, Seattle—they they still have a gripe about that, you know. The refs, the, yeah, yeah, said some things didn't happen how they were supposed to happen. But full disclosure, I I bet on the Seahawks. Yeah, what was I, a, I don't even remember the. I, I never knew a line. The line when I played. Do you remember you guys, the line? You guys were favored by four points. Over under was forty-seven. Um, and then oh yeah, because. That was the that was the worst part is like if you had the Seahawks they cut it to four I guess they they cut it to fourteen to ten, and then Randall L or the Heinz Ward threw the pass or no called the pass from Randall L on the end around uh, deep bomb for forty three yards. Yep. And yeah, God, I forgot about that. And then that was the game. And then you guys just didn't let him move the ball again. Um, yeah, God, that's a great Super Bowl. Mm. Bettis, I don't know if you know, I don't know if you know this. Jerome Bettis is from Detroit. Yep. Do you There's know? Home- do, you, do you know about that running gag? Like that they they mentioned. I can't, was that game on CBS? I hope not. I don't want to. I don't want to be trash talking anybody on CBS. But they um, the game was. Uh, let's see. Did they tell us who it was on? Either way, 
They mentioned nah, it nine. I think it, I think it was ABC. Okay, we'll go with that. I'm not going to insult whoever it was, but they mentioned it over and over and over leading up to the game. They were like Jerome Bettis from Detroit. Everybody's like, we get it. Jerome Bettis is from freaking Detroit. It's his homecoming. But uh, you know, it was a big game for him, and unfortunately, he didn't get to score. So, uh, what would like what I mean. What would you? What would be your concern for the for the teams who are go like the Chiefs and the Forty ers Like, I mean, it feels like Andy Reid and Kyle Shanahan will have them prepared enough where it won't be a big deal. But are there any traps because it's in Miami, et cetera? You know what I mean? Like, well, uh, the concerns I have, I would have, would be from bo- with both teams. Some of the younger guys, right? Some of the young guys that really have huge roles for their teams yeah. being able to continue to be focused and dialed in. See, that's the thing. As a rookie, as a second-year player, third-year player, especially never getting to this level, you want to enjoy yourself. And it's easier for a young guy that lacks experience to be able to forget what their priority is. And then Miami, I mean, the thing is, if I was a coach, I would emphasize to my players, you can go to Miami even at any given time in the offseason and mm-hmm. enjoy yourself, have a fun trip. Remember, this is a business trip first. So I'm not telling you to stay inside the entire time. Go out and enjoy yourself, but be smart. Handle yourself like you would handle yourself in Kansas City or in San Francisco. I'm not saying change the your entire regiment. You know, if you were getting a, a massage on Wednesday, do the same thing. Continue to keep that same regimen. If you were going out, uh, have family dinner or a, or a team-oriented like dinner with your teammates on Tuesday or Thursday, do the same thing. But don't go over and beyond what you've been doing. And sometimes for younger guys, especially when you know you're playing in the biggest game in, in the year, in the season. Yeah. Everybody's watching. Everybody want a piece of you. Everybody wants want you to do this event. No, understand why you were there. Did um, were you ever worried because like who was in the second in oh five or oh I guess it was oh four but I mean like oh no it was oh five, so in the secondary it was like you and Troy, and uh, who was the top? Were you the number one corner or were you the? I was two? I was the number third corner. I was the you're nickel. the three. So okay, so, the you're, so you're nickel. So were you match up on Joe Juravicious then in the uh, slot? A, a few times they had Bobby Jackson, Bobby, Bobby Ingram. They, Bobby Ingram, they had yeah, yeah, Jackson, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jervicious, uh Yeah, Daryl Jackson, that's right. Daryl Jackson. Were, had, you, had, were you worried as a rookie that they were going to, like, come out and just target you in the slot, especially with, like, a, a short, like, West Coast guy, like, Hasselback throwing it? Well, no, nah, because, see, the way how we did our nickel defense, when I came in, Shea Townsend went inside, so I always played outside. Yeah, okay, oh, gotcha, um, gotcha, gotcha. But the thing for me was, by that time in the second round, I mean, I got – I got targeted so much by Peyton Manning. I just kind of got used to being picked on a lot. <laughs> so by the time we got to the Super Bowl, I was expecting every pass to come my way, honestly. You know what I mean? So I was just like, well, Peyton Manning just was targeting me. And then uh, Jake Plummer came at me a few times, but not a lot. Uh, you know, they had more of a running balance attack. Yeah. And by the time we played against Seattle, I was just like, well, you know, it's almost like that little kid that has bigger brothers and the bigger brothers always big, beat up on the little brother. I was used to getting picked on a lot because I was the only rookie in the lineup. So I was kind of expecting that. Who did, uh, who did Peyton line you up on the most? Do you remember? Now remember also, let's go back in time with the Colts. They had a different wide receiver scheme. They never flip, flip flop. Marvin oh, Harrison always was on the X, their right side, which is yeah. our left side. Yeah. And, and Reggie was always on their left side, which would be the defensive right side. That's right. So I always played the right corner my rookie year, so I always was on Re- Reggie Wayne. Oh my God! So you were just, it was just you and Reggie Wayne. Oh yeah, and uh, if you yeah you're right. <laughs> Do you know how many targets uh, Reggie Wayne had in that game against you guys in the, in the you, playoffs? You looked that up already? Oh yeah, yeah, I'm all over it. How many? Fourteen. Peyton oh, Manning gave you fourteen times. <laughs> hey, you know how many catches he had? How many? Seven. Nice work, right. Mac. Well, okay, now this, but also, too. No, they're not we, all. I, I, uh, yeah. I, yeah, I would assume some of those 14 targets came in base offense yeah, where yeah. we had our base defense in. But, yeah, I, listen, you talk about a guy who was standing on eggshells. I'd be that, freaking out, That man. ball game, my eyes were so big, and I, was, I wasn't nervous, but just the atmosphere because that was a huge game for us because early in the year they beat us bad. Yep. They really just beat us bad. They took us in the backyard and just – 
did whatever they wanted to do with us. And then playing against that offense, those two teams, everybody watching, and it felt like every play Peyton was coming my way, man. My back got tight. My eyes were big. I, I just <laughs> I, I ran out of sweat. I was sweating so much because it was it felt like it was so hot. And it's just like, be back, whatever you do, don't be the reason why you guys do not advance. That's all I kept telling myself. Don't be uh, the reason why. Colts, by the way, were eight and a half point favorites in that game. That's pretty no. substantial for a um for the for me for a divisional round. Like that's a huge number for a divisional round back in like oh five. Remember, that was one of the best Indianapolis Colts team they had during that Peyton Manning era. And of course, you know, they eventually won a championship, but that was a team that was supposed to win a championship that year. They went, they went 14 and two. Um, they, they had, uh, the number one seed. They were the number one seed in AFC. Absolutely. Yeah. And, uh, second most points scored in the NFL. And in fact, second fewest points allowed in the NFL. I mean, they were, they were supposed to win the title that year because to show you that the, uh, the NFL can be crazy. Jim Caldwell, assistant head coach, Leslie Frazier, Clyde Christensen, big group of coaches there. That was the first, cause that was still Tony Dungy was still running it. Yep. Before yep. Caldwell taking over. Um, okay, so we meandered off a little bit there. Do you think, who do you think is the biggest, like, because I look, I think a two guy, I think, well, I think the two coaches, one, Kyle Shanahan's been here when he came with the Falcons and we knew he was going to take the job with the 49ers, but he, you know, he had a great game plan. They were up 28-3 and I, we talked about this on our HQ preview, but to me, the fact that he's been there and done that and had a lead and understands what to do and how to prep will matter a lot. I also think that, the two guys to me that really make a difference in terms of a calming influence on these rosters. One, Andy Reid. I know everybody, mm-hmm. you know, talks about we got to win one for Andy. You know, it could be nervous he has to win it, but like he understands that you can go to a Super Bowl early in your career and then not make it back for a long time. And also on the other side of the field, uh, Richard Sherman, who won a Super Bowl with the Seahawks, got back the next year, thought they were going to build a dynasty. And then with the, you know, the, the Russell Wilson interception, the Patriots win in, in Super Bowl 49. Which one do you think is a bigger, which, 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 which team has the better calming presence about it? The Chiefs or the 49ers? Ooh, that's a good question. Wow. I'll say, and just off the top of my head, I'll go with the San Francisco 49ers. And the reason why I go with the 49ers is because some of the things you talked about with Kyle Shanahan. Yeah. Um, now he was not a head coach at the time when he got to the Super Bowl, but he was a, a huge part of the coaching staff. And then outside of the player, their starting quarterback has been to a championship before. Granted, he was not the starting quarterback, but just being able to be in the same room with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and learning yep. from great those point. great football personalities has to do wonders for this experience for him as a starting quarterback. And then you got a guy like Emmanuel Sanders who will be playing in his, what, third? At least his third. No, 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 because he, he went to one with, with the Steelers, right? He went to one with the Steelers. He went to he two went, with the Broncos. Went to two with the, it was two with the Broncos? I'm pretty sure, right? I know I mean, he no, won. I will double check this. I'll double check for you. I'm pretty sure he went to two. I know he won. He definitely won a ring with the Broncos when they beat Carolina. He was he, on that team. Oh, yeah. Oh, you're right. The, no, no. He wasn't on the 2013 Broncos. You're right. Because yeah. he was on the Steelers in 2013. So yeah. he went once. Did he go Pittsburgh. once with the Steelers? Yeah, he did. He did. Okay. I think it was his rookie year. With us, so, uh, that's the game we lost to, to Green Bay. So you look at some of yeah. the Super Bowl experience he has, and I think yeah. in totality, I think they have maybe around 12 guys on the San Francisco 49ers roster that has been to a championship. And I don't know the exact number for Kansas City, but just being able to have your quarterback, your starter quarterback, be a part of championship organizations sure. and, you know, Kyle Shanahan and, and, and Kyle Shanahan, his father, you know, being, being around with him throughout his Super Bowl runs and things like that. I think, I think the advantage goes to the San Francisco 49ers for those reasons. Mm, that's a good point. Has Kyle, Sh- Kyle Shanahan wasn't on, yeah, he wasn't on the Broncos when they won. He was just a, a like a, I, mean, I guess a freaking, cause he was born in 79, so he's two, yeah, I mean, he was, he was like, like in college when the, when the Broncos won the, uh, or high school senior, yeah, when the Broncos won those Super Bowls. So he wouldn't have, he wouldn't have been around and gotten those rings. But yeah, I mean, I think, um, that's a good point. The Jimmy G point is great. I think that matters a ton. And I hadn't even thought about Sanders going to three Super Bowls with three different teams. Talk yeah. about lucky for him. Okay. Um, okay. Uh, what, what's the last question for you? What is the, like, what is this, what is the most nerve wracking thing? Cause I was, I was asking, we talked to Raheem Mostert on Tuesday 
And I was curious, like, what, you know, what, what would, what are you, like, what's the most nerve wracking thing about the whole week? Is it, is it like that five seconds when you're walking out of the field? Is it the kickoff? Is it your first snap? Is it, is it sort of landing in like your, I mean, maybe it's media stuff. Who knows? I, I assume it's different for everybody. Just curious what you think the most nerve wracking thing was for you. The most nerve wracking thing is not even game related. You know, the action of the game. It's about the accommodations and trying to figure out who gets to go to the Super Bowl. You oh know, really? Yeah. Who do you decide when you talk about? Okay, well, family, let me let me friends. just let me expand that a little bit then because I'm curious. Like from land when you land to when you get to the game day, what is it? What is it all routine and all scheduled, or is there just so much stuff going well, on where like aunts and uncles and cousins are texting you? Because that's how I know my family would be like, "What we need? We didn't get the suite we wanted. Where's the like, where's the <laughs> hotel room?" You're like, "Man, I I got a freaking championship to win here. Leave me alone." Okay, so the schedule was for me in three Super Bowls that I participated in. When you get to the Super Bowl site, which usually would be that Sunday, I know some teams might fly in either Sunday or Monday. Yeah, you don't have anything. If you flew in Sunday, you have nothing. But if you fly in Monday, usually there's a team meeting. You get uh uh you get the the, the opportunity to meet some of the the city officials, the law enforcement, give you kind of heads up on where to go, what to do, where to be at. Don't where go around place just alone. <laughs> you kind of have that informal informal meeting, but you have no curfew. Monday. You have no curfew Tuesday. Tuesday's a more get right day. You know, if you want to go in as an individual, watch some film, you know, hit the weight room, get a chance to tour the facilities that you will be using the entire week. Tuesday's the do the day to do so, but you're pretty much free. So Tuesday's like a normal Tuesday off day during the week. No curfew also as well. So Wednesday, that's when you get into your game like preparation, a normal Wednesday work day. You then you have curfew during the nighttime. Same can be said for Thursday and Friday. And then that Saturday, for us, we relocated to a new hotel away from the family hotel. So the week of the most, I guess, you know, nerve-wracking thing is being able to divide your time equally to everybody that's coming to see you, family and friends, but still keeping your normal work schedule. The thing is, most people forget that when you're in your respectable city, you're there with your only immediate family. But when you go to a Super Bowl, you got family coming from everywhere that you invited to be a part of this experience with you. So guess what they want to do, Will? They want to spend time with you. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that when you're in Kansas City. You don't have to worry about that early in the week in San Francisco because if family is coming to visit you for the game, usually family don't get there till maybe Friday or Saturday. But when the Super Bowl is pl- being played, most of the time your family want to be there the entire week. So it's now it's like about how do I determine – who I'm kicking it with, who I'm spending time with, family, friends. What mm. about some of the guys that are from South Florida, so have a boatload of family and friends that want their attention? And that could be the most nerve-wracking thing, and that also transition tra- transitions into your tickets. Who do you give tickets to? Like, how, how, many t- how many tickets did you have? What about this high school coach that helped you? Or what about this person have? that helped you or were in, was in your life? A uh, vocal part. You know, they want to come, but then they want to bring this family member or this loved one. It can be a bit that that could be annoying. Well, how many tickets did you have to give away total? Say it again. How many how many tickets did you have? Like 12. I think it was 12. Wow. That's a pretty I mean, that's a pretty large amount. And so, like, you got your basic relative, like, guarantee they're getting one. And then but then it's like. That's a, that's a tough distribution to do. Uh, I, I do have one more question for you because I am curious about we've, – we've heard this story, I think, on this podcast before. I know you did like a, a video for it and for your Steelers podcast um, before Super Bowl 43. What happened the night before Super Bowl 43? Say it again? The night well, before? Yeah. Were you playing like cards or something like that, I believe? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the, the, the second Super Bowl for us in Tampa against the Arizona Cardinals, uh, I didn't get in bed till almost 8 o'clock in the morning. Oh, my God. I, and I mean, were you we were got, playing a game called Blu-ray? Yeah. Can you explain Blu-ray to the podcast to the, to the listeners? Okay, for the listeners that are card players, I like if you ever played the game, the card game called Spades. It's similar to playing Spades with, but without a partner. So in Spades, all the cards are are issued out to the players, four players. And you know, in the game of Spades, the Spade suit is always the cut card. In yeah. Blu-ray. You only handed five cards and whoever the dealer is and the dealer will, the deal will rotate based yeah. on hands. You only get five cards. And as a dealer, you can flip over any card that you want to out of the five and whatever card flips over 
if it's a heart, the heart is the cut card for that particular game. Okay. So in Blu-ray, any suit could be the cut card. So, you know, like in space, you're playing space, you want to have a lot of space. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And if you don't have a lot of space, you want to have a lot of what? Aces. Offsuit yeah. aces, things like that. It's, it's the same thing with Blu-ray. So for us, when you play Blu-ray, you get five cards and Will, you have an opportunity to say, I'm out of this hand. So if you're if 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 you're out, whatever is in the game, and I'm not saying money, but let's say we're playing for candy, right? You put up <laughs> each player has to put up uh Three pieces of uh, three Kit Kats or something like that. You forfeit your your Kit Kat, so now you lose your Kit Kats because you're out. Okay. But if you decide to play, and you you the thing also too about Blu-ray, I forgot to tell you one important factor. When you look at your hand out of your five cards, you can get rid of any card you want to and try okay. to get a better card. But when you say I'm in, now it's your job to get books, like how you would get books in Spades. Gotcha. But if you don't get any books in Blu-ray, you get booed. So what booed mean is if you don't get any books. Whatever you're playing for, like I said, we were playing for, for, for Kit Kats. The amount of Kit Kats that's in the pot, that's what you have to put up yourself. So hypothetically, if you were playing for 300 Kit Kats, uh, it could get, it could get a little intense. Now, Uh, what, now, how, what, how does this, how do you end up, are you guys like watching the clock? Are you like, ah, we're going to bed at like five. We got, we can sleep all day. We've won a Super Bowl before. Trust me, it'll be fine. A, whose idea was this? B, at what point did you start freaking out that you guys were up too late? Well, we did this every road trip. We did it every home game. We played Boo Ray during, during our, our break before practices. We play Blu-ray after practices, after we watch film. Blu-ray was a part of our life. Mm. It was a way for us to come together, fraternize, and have fun and enjoy each other. So when we got to the Super Bowl, it was part of our normal regiment. Remember I told you the coaches wanted us to keep doing what we've been doing. So, But the thing is, the game was so intense that the time got away from us. Yeah. Little, Will, we started playing Blu-ray probably around 11 o'clock. Oh, my God. So you can imagine. That's a nine-hour card game. I mean, that's intense. And and I can tell you this much, Will, if you guys remember how intense and exciting that game was. It's one of the all-time great Super Bowls. The card game might have been more intense. (laughs) I get it. That's insane. The card card game might have been more intense and more exciting than the actual game. And that's the thing. We felt like, yo, if if we lose this Super Bowl, and if word ever got out about what we did, how foolish we were to sit up all night, you talk. You remember how much uh, uh, criticism uh, the Giants got for doing the boat trip, right? Oh yeah, you guys are the same. It'd be worse. It'd be it'd worse. Be, it'd be way worse. Because think about this: if we don't win that Super Bowl, Pittsburgh don't get the sixth championship, and at the time was the first organization to have six yep. Lombardies, right? Yeah. <laughs> Mike Tomlin wouldn't have gotten a championship, yep. right? That would catapult his hall of fame like career you know how important championships is for nfl coaches to get into the hall you know what Absolutely. i mean yeah no i mean it would i mean like kurt also larry fitzgerald would have a title kurt warner would have like a, a title like, it would change the course of his like boo ray almost changed the course of history which would be incredible but the defense prevailed james harrison 99 or 100 and whatever yard touchdown it was man what a story i love it bmac um we're gonna go talk to pete prisco now <laughs> we'll see you in, uh, it's gonna be less exciting, but, uh, I'll see you, <laughs> way less exciting. I'll see you in South Florida, right? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And please tell Pete, can he wear that beating he wore the last two weeks in Kansas City in South Florida? <laughs> is that, is that possible? Uh, I will definitely ask him for that. Uh, all right, BMAC, follow him at BMAC underscore sports talk. Watch him on CBS Sports HQ and listen to him later next week on the Pick Six podcast. Yes, Thanks, sir. buddy. Uh, thank you. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. 
I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. All right, now joining us as promised, flying up I-95 or maybe the Florida Turnpike or something, however the hell you get from Fort Lauderdale to Orlando, on his way to the Pro Bowl, on his way to get me some new golf clubs at the PGA Tour merchandise spectacular, which I'm not sure why I didn't want invited to. I'd love to go cover that. So if you listen to this, CBS executive people, send me next year. Pete Presco in the car with Jamie Eisenberg, no less. How's that, uh, how's that going? You've been in the car for 30 minutes or so. Uh, did Jamie make it easy for you to get out of town? Is he a fun person to travel in the car with? Uh, does he have good music? Are you in a minivan? What's the situation here, Pete? Did Jamie make it easy to get out of town? Absolutely not. We're about an hour and a half behind schedule because it's Jamie. Is he driving? Sure he is. And he's not got, he hasn't been pulled over yet, which is a big advantage over what I had in uh, Kansas last week. Have you heard from your insurance agent about that? We talked. Uh, no, like, it's uh, no, it's not coming up. Shut up! I don't want to. Maybe he listens to this podcast. Your insurance agent? What do you think he listens to this podcast? <laughs> He's like, oh, you're right. I do need to adjust pizza rates for getting pulled over in Kansas City. This, I imagine Jamie. I bet Jamie doesn't go more than like seven miles an hour over the speed limit. Jamie right now is uh, actually close to eighty on a seventy mile an hour. Yeah, he was betting, Jamie, I will tell Jamie this because he's in the car with me, he was betting that you don't go more than seven miles over the speed. <laughs> you're, you're pretty close, though, Will. You're pretty close. I bet he's got two hands on the wheel, too, doesn't he? He definitely has two hands on the wheel. <laughs> um. Will, good tonight. Spot on. I can do, Jamie's listening to like a, a like a an audio book, two hands on the wheel, six miles an no, hour. Over. I'm not we getting pulled. NFL, we were listening to NFL Serious Radio. Our oh, nice. Jim Miller and uh, Pat Kerwin. Oh, I love those guys. Um, okay, so we talked to BMAC a little bit about the Super Bowl experience. You and I were chatting about um, the last, you know, the last time the Super Bowl was in Miami. There's a lot of stuff going on in Fort Lauderdale. That was actually the first Super Bowl I ever covered from the week leading up to it. I didn't go to the game itself. And then the next year I started with CBS. Um, what was the first Super Bowl you ever covered, Pete? 1989 in the Superdome. It was uh, the 49ers. Bengals? And the Broncos. Ah, that's right. And that was so long ago that the 49ers got scored 55 in that game. And they were yelling, we got the speed limit in the locker room. <laughs> That's how long ago that was. It's pretty good. That was amazing. And I think back to that game because I remember there was a Hyatt connected to the Superdome. And Radio Row was in one of the basement areas of the Hyatt. And there were probably seven tables. That was Radio Row. There was nobody there. Nobody did anything for Super Bowl week. It was crazy. That's insane. So when you were doing like – covering Super Bowl week and so again this is um this was in January of 1990. I mean Yeah, the 89 the 89 season. Yeah. Yeah. Um 49ers were 12-point favorites in that game too by the way, which obviously they covered rather easily. Dan Reeves got blown out by George Seifert, Joe Montana, um the the MVP. What I mean what was it like what was it like leading like in the weeks before? Could you get like sit down time with Joe Montana. I mean, now like you're not talking to Patrick Mahomes this week. Like unless you unless you're broadcasting the Super Bowl or you. I mean, you have some kind of like you're not just going to walk into a media event and sit down and talk about. I mean, it's going to be there's only one week between the conference championship and the Super Bowl, right? I mean, like was it a lot more hectic? Was it or was it just more casual? What was the difference? What were the differences? It was, there wasn't as many people there. I mean, media day wasn't a, a big extravaganza like it is now. You didn't have all these outlets going there to try and, you know, be the idiot of the day. And we see that a lot now with people, the way they dress and, you know, all these all the media outlets send to people and those shows and everything else. It wasn't like that. It was the football guys got to ask football questions. And, you know, it doesn't mean there wasn't some bad questions and there wasn't some outlandish answers, but it was much more casual. You could You could go to a podium where there was a star player and there might be, like, 
10 players around, 10 people around him, 15 people around him. It was much different. What was the... And then, and then the, yeah. I'll tell you what, you know those little those other media sessions that they would have after media day? Like you go to the hotel and talk to guys. You could sit next to a guy, a star, and it would be you and him talking. That's how easy it was. That's Yeah, that's crazy. Like now, like those things are on lockdown. Those guys are kept from the... Um, I mean, what... Uh, What's the what's the wildest Super Bowl you ever covered? In terms of what? I don't know. Just I'll let you define it. Maybe maybe it's in game. Maybe it's pre game. Maybe it's stuff leading up to it. Whatever. Like the one that sticks out to you in your mind is just the most. Or maybe like maybe it's even a turning point in the coverage of the Super Bowl. What's the wildest one? Well, I remember the, the, the Super Bowls. The early Super Bowls in Atlanta were bad because the weather was bad, mm. and it was. Really, uh, I mean, well, I, 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 wait, the one that really stood out to me, this one really stood out to me, not from the game standpoint, but from just how big the league was standpoint. It was it, w- w- the one in um, L.A. when the when the, in Pasadena when the, the uh, Cowboys played the Bills. The fifty-two seventeen. The yeah. The one they the, the one what was the fifty the, the Don Beebe one I think when when Leon I think that yep. one was in Dallas yeah well. It was media day and rush hour traffic in Los Angeles. The police escort stopped traffic to allow the media buses to get through. <laughs> that, that has gone away, by the way. That doesn't happen anymore. That was when, when the NFL used to court the media. They, you know, they don't court the media anymore. It used to be they want, did anything and everything to get you to come to the Super Bowl. And once you got there, they did anything and everything to make you feel like you were – uh, it was an honor to have you there. They don't do that anymore. For example, well, that, well, the I bags, will... they used to give you a bag uh, back in the day. Like a, when you checked in, you know, like a bag for your computers and it had Super Bowl logo on it. They'd oh, have man. all kinds. The Super Bowl media party on Friday night used to be an extravaganza that the media could go to. It was like nine. There were bands all over the place. And it's like, I, I'm telling you, they used to throw parties like crazy. And that went away. Mm. I will say this: when we were in Dallas and that ice storm hit, I remember we had a we had to go cover like a specific you know we had to go cover the you know, go to the Packers media availability at like seven a.m. and they got us out on the highway with <laughs> a police escort and everybody in Dallas is like pulled over on the shoulder like just swearing up and down a storm and this like irate that they're like pulled over in the middle of like all this ice everywhere they can't see out their car they're sliding every which way and they got to pull over because a bunch of media guys were coming through i will say too on that that la that pasadena super bowl you're talking about it's crazy to look back on it and this was in 1993 january 93 after the 92 season um coin toss oj simpson halftime show michael jackson yeah I remember that was a great halftime show. By the way, that's probably the best halftime show there was. Uh, I would Michael go Prince. Jackson. I would go Prince, but I, that's... no, Michael Jackson was better. Okay, I love Prince, but Michael Jackson's show was better. What uh, was the? But yeah, what's the best? But the most memorable moment of any of those is is um, Whitney Houston. I was going to ask you what's the best anthem. So Whitney Houston for sure. Oh, the, the, without a question, that was the weirdest Super Bowl because. That was the first time security was a major issue. Mm. And, you know, the, the country was, you know, at war and everybody was terrified and everything else. And I remember, you know, it used to be you get your pass, you walk in, you go. Then after that, it became much tougher. That was the one where everything changed in terms of security, the one in Tampa that year. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. But, and it was, uh, for me, that was a very special one, too, because I, you, I've told this story before. I had gone to... San Francisco. I was working at the newspaper then. I went to San Francisco, and my mom had passed away the year before, and she was a giant Giants fan, a huge Giants fan. And so they go to San Francisco. They had no business beating Montana, and that they fumbled. Roger Craig fumbled, and they won the game. And then the Super Bowl was right after that. There was no week. You flew, and you went to Tampa. And I remember going to Tampa, and you know, for me that was a big deal because my mom was such a Giants fan, and they won that game on that kick going wide and. It was just that one was probably the most memorable Super Bowl of all of them for me. Yeah, I mean, I think no, I mean that that's it is incredible that like to for you to get to see you know I mean and like Phil you always talk about how Phil Sims was like one of her favorite players like what, what did she say like let it, like come on Philip throw, throw the ball. it 
no, throw it, Philip, throw it, Philip. And then I, I told Phil Sims this once. I said, my dad used to always go, run, run, pass, run, run, pass, because he'd get angry like I hate the running game. My dad did, too. And I told Sims that, and he said, we won Super Bowl, didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> the um, New Kids on the Block were the halftime show that year, which is pretty incredible. I that That Super Bowl, Giants over the Bills, the Bills run is really, I think, and then the next year was the Redskins over the Bills, 91 and 92 is when I first really remember, like, as a kid, you know, I'm 10 years old, but I mean, that's when I first, you know, you first, the first couple of Super Bowls you really remember. You know what I mean? Like, you, you remember watching it. I mean, I, I remember the, the Niners tossing, which is scary that you, that's when you started covering it. Uh, but, um, yeah, you I know, mean, I, my first Super Bowl I remember, first Super Bowl I remember was, uh, watching was, um, the Dolphins. Well, I remember the Jets one, but I was a, I was all. I don't really remember that as well. But I remember the undefeated Dolphins. Mm. That one I remember really well. I was 12, 11 or twelve then, and and then the, the, I do remember the Jets one. I remember watching the first one. I don't remember the you know specifics of it, but I do remember being a seven year old kid watching it uh, and and being wow, you know, look at this, you know, and who knew it would become what it was, what so it is. So wait, your first one would have been Super Bowl seven. Yeah, Dolphins no. undefeated Dolphins over the Redskins, right? right the, fir- the first one you remember, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I know the specifics of it. I remember watching one, and I remember watching two, but I was—I don't remember. You know, I was seven and eight. I probably was, you know, sitting there like a, you know, I wasn't actually analyzing the play. Whereas, like when right, I watched that right. one, I did. Yeah, I think ten um, is a ten is a reasonable. Ten is like the, your ten and, and, and on is a reasonable, um, you know, time to sort of start actually looking at the game and analyzing it. Uh, so how do you? I think- do remember. I do remember as a kid that I rooted for the Jets though, because even though I grew up a Giants fan, because I they were the nasty, you know, NFL, and I wanted the A. I love the AFL. I used to, I used to thoroughly enjoy the AFL as a kid because I love the football. They threw it, you know, more than the NFL, and I love that. All right, so looking at this year's Super Bowl, Pete. Um, who do you think has the edge in sort of preparing for it? I mean, you've seen a lot of these teams prepping. Andy Reid's been to one before, but it's been a while. Kyle Shanahan's been to one before. It's sort of almost too soon. They got a lot of like who who has the edge in going into this week in terms of prepare, preparation? Uh, they're two good, really good coaches. I don't think anybody has an edge. I don't. Okay. I think both coaches are really good. I, I think Andy Andy Reid's arguably one of the most underrated, if not the most underrated coach the league has ever seen. And I mean that. I, I think if he's got to win one, but if he wins one, he's a Hall of Fame. I really believe that. I said uh, I said on I said on the show yesterday with Brady that I think he might be top five if he wins one. And maybe even like I don't know if you can give him top five without winning a Super Bowl, but if he gets one, I think he'll get in the Hall of Fame either way. Top five all oh, time. He'll get in the Hall of Fame. He, I mean he's not top five all time. If he gets the Super Bowl. No. Paul Brown, Don Shula, yeah, I mean, and then there's Kyle all the guys Jack, who won Walsh. Two. Yeah, I mean, yeah, all the guys who won two. Chuck Dole. He might, he might get a couple with Mahomes though. Like if if he or if he wins two, is he top five? No. Oh, really? No, he's not better than any of those. Chuck Dole, Don Shula, Paul Brown, um, Belichick, uh, Bill Walsh, Joe Gibbs won three Super Bowls with three different quarterbacks. Yeah. <laughs> Think about that. Joe Gibbs won three Super Bowls with Doug Williams, Joe Theismann, and Mark Rippin. Come on. True. Um, all right. All right. It's an argument we can have in the offseason. Let's let Andy Reid get it first. I, I tend to agree with you. Like, do you think any more, like, is it, you know, we don't have these, like, it doesn't feel like you have these crazy, like, teams don't show up and, and aren't ready for it or, like, are just happy to be there anymore. It doesn't feel like that happens very often in the modern NFL, right? You know, it was weird because I thought the same thing when I was on the field after the game with the Chiefs. And, you know, I've watched a lot of those celebrations on the field. And they almost, they celebrated, but they really didn't. Mm. It wasn't like they were, it's great to go to the Super Bowl, but they didn't go nuts. Which nowadays teams, you know, back in the day, sometimes teams went to the Super Bowl and they acted like they won it. Nowadays you don't see that as much anymore. Yeah, that's sort of what I mean. Like, I can't imagine the Chiefs showing up and be like, "Oh, like, man, we're just thrilled to be here in in South Beach." Like, and then and then laying an egg. I just don't see that happening. But you used to see it all the time, or maybe you just saw By the teams. Way, that's, that were a lo- good group. that's a good 
that's a good group of guys. And I've been around that team for a couple of weeks and, and, you know, I, I know some of those guys and that, it's a good group of guys. And, and Andy Reid has a, a good feel for it. Spagnola is a good coach and he's been around for a while. Uh, Eric, the enemy is a really good dude and a good coach. I mean, it, it's a good, good locker room. And, and I think it reflects that when they play because they have fun. How good is the chiefs defense? It's better. I mean, I still they did a good job last week, and, and a lot of that has to do with Spagnola's defense. It's complicated. It, it takes time to get adjusted to it. And, and the Honey Badger told me that in the summer. He said it's going to take us a while, and it did. And then they had all the injuries. Chris Jones didn't play, um, you know, for a while, and Frank Clark was sick and injured, and they didn't get subs until late in the season. He's a really good run player. He's not the same pass rusher he used to be. He was a good run player, and then the secondary came together. So uh, I think it, it's much better. Not dominant. It's not San Francisco, but Chris Jones is a beast. People don't realize how good he is. I, you know, I told him after the game. I said, "You're getting generational money, dude, because he's an unrestricted free agent. He's going to get paid. He's going to be one of the top free agents on the market." Won't he probably be a franchise tag candidate? Uh, he could be, but they got so many issues facing them. They got, you know, it depends on what happens with the CBA and. Yeah. And, you know, the cap going up. If Mahomes is going to get 40 something million a year. Yeah. You kind of have to give it to him. Um, and they just paid Frank Clark all that money. True. What, uh, all right. What are your top three Super Bowl locations? Top three Super Bowl locations? Yeah. Number one, New Orleans. Yes. Number two, New Orleans. Number three, New Orleans. That's the correct answer. Good job by you. It is the it's best place to have close. a Super It's not even close. It's by far the best location for Super Bowl. Everything is there, right? They have so many restaurants. It's easy to get around. The teams stay downtown. It's, it's, for, it, it's always been the best. And everyone I've been to there, including the first one, I've enjoyed every one of them. Yeah. You can walk everywhere. You know, it's like a very easy, low-key vibe. Like, you don't, I mean, you don't, you don't feel like you're shuttling around constantly. I'm with you. I like, uh, I'm a big fan of the I was in world. the minority on this one, but I actually enjoyed the New York Super Bowl. I liked it. Yeah. I liked You know what I liked? The Super, I liked the Indianapolis Super Bowl. That was a good one, too, because everything's right there. Yeah. The ones that are spread you, out are not fun. They're, you know, like next next year, Tampa will be good because everything's right there. Tampa's always been good because everything's lo- local. Yeah, um, like like San Francisco, I wasn't a huge I, – I, I was cool being in San Francisco for a week. But it's like trucking out to Santa Clara and then back, and that time we almost died on the bus and all that. That wasn't very fun. No, that wasn't good. Houston, it spread out a little bit, too. Yeah. Um, Dallas was spread out a little bit. Oh, Dallas is all over the place. Phoenix is spread out a little bit. Minnesota used to be good, but then they moved everybody out last year, so you were way out. You weren't in downtown. The first one I went there, that was a really good Super Bowl because everything was right downtown. But I think, you know – Convenience is for me, and then the the weather. And New Orleans usually has pretty good weather; it's not that bad. So yeah, I'm I'm no, I'm with you. I think it'd be. Did you see the stuff for the Vegas draft? What's that? No, they're, what? They're gonna have the red carpet on the Bellagio fountain. They're gonna have a stage out on the on the water, and they're gonna boat all the all the rookies over to this stage on the water in the middle of the fountain uh, for for the red carpet ahead of the draft. That'll be a great Super Bowl location, Vegas. They'll definitely do it there at some point. Oh, it's 2025. I think that'll be a Super Bowl there. Ooh. Is it heading you know, out, The right? one in Los Angeles in a couple of years is going to be a tough one. A tough one or a fun one? Tough one. It's going to be spread out all over the place. Yeah, that's true. Um, all right. What, uh, where are you leaning? How so, you by leaning the way, the this? worst location for a Super Bowl, not even close. Jacksonville. Yeah, Jacksonville. And I lived there for 30 years. I loved living there. They weren't ready for a Super Bowl. They still aren't ready for a Super Bowl. Yeah, like people were like, well, what if they bring one to Charlotte? It's like, they're not bringing it to Charlotte. Like, there's not a room in here. You wouldn't have any any of the infrastructure. Um, Where are you sort of leaning on this game right now? Chiefs. I don't love it, though. I'll have to think about it for a while, but I'd lean that way early. I know. I think think Mahomes, Mahomes is. Special. And if you can rush him, but he can get out of that pocket. You know, he's, he's he's one of those guys that can get outside the pocket and create all kinds of problems for you. In fact, last week, 
I think during the game, I, I texted you guys and I said he left some plays on the field early because he wasn't getting to his backside. It was weird because early in the game, he seemed a little jumpy and he wasn't allowed to play to develop. But he's so good when he doesn't let the play to develop when, when he does get out. Like the play he made to Watkins. Did he have to leave that pocket? No. But he did. He made a great play. Yeah. Yeah. He is, uh, he's special, man. It's going to be a fun Super Bowl. I think it'll go down as, I mean, I don't know. It's hard to like, it's hard to like imagine the rhythm of how it'll go, but you know, we saw it with the Patriots and the Seahawks and that in Super Bowl 49. I feel like it could be something like that where it's a little, um, like funky out of the gates and then all of a sudden just turns into this just incredible matchup between two smart coaches and, and great offenses. So, uh, well, you excited. Know somebody said to me the other day, that, could it be like the Denver Seattle game because the great defense and the high flying offense? No chance. I don't see, I don't see that happening. No chance. There is, there is no chance that the four. I I I don't think there's any chance that the 49ers blow out the Chiefs. I, I think the Chiefs so could blow out the 49ers, but I don't think that the 49ers could blow out the Chiefs. I don't think either team's going to blow out the other one. I think it's going to be a close game. I don't th- I don't think there'll be a blowout either way as well. But like I think if you if if the 49ers got down big and had to lean on Jimmy G to try to come back, like I think that could be the blowout formula if the if the Chiefs are making plays on defense. But like even if the 49ers are up 21 nothing, I think Kansas City will score you know, 28 points and get back in it at some point. It'll be interesting. I, I'm looking forward. To, I, I'm excited about this matchup. I really, I would have liked to have seen Rodgers against uh, Mahomes, but this is this is good. It's a clash of of styles, and I like that. I do too. Don't run be- it, and all the 49ers do is run it. Yep. Um, all right, we'll be down in uh, South Florida. We'll see you guys uh, in a couple. And I'll of- give you my official pick next week. What are you wearing to media day? What's that? What are you wearing to media day? Got a little costume planned out? Uh, I'm going to Pete Prisco. You know him? <laughs> Funny costume. Uh, I'm just kidding. I know you are. Um, all right. Good stuff, Pete. Always love chatting about Super Bowls with you. Be hanging out at the Super Bowl next week. Follow him at Prisco CBS. Watch him on CBS Sports HQ. He's the star of our programming there. And, uh, hey, listen, man. Don't you tell Jamie 10 and 2 and don't go 10 miles over the speed limit. And you guys hey, get to Orlando safe. Right now, he's got one hand on the wheel to step in the right direction. Oh, man, he's mixing a little decaf, a little regular with the decaf. Jamie's light, like, getting a little crazy. Well, you know what? He, I, I hate to tell you what he's doing with the other hand right now. Shoot me uh, a one one finger peace sign. Oh, oh, is he telling me hello? Well, you you yeah, go he, you go make he sure said, he, he said hello. He's trying to tell you hello, with this. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, go uh, go take care of Jamie. <laughs> What did he He's say? Number one brand. Number one brand. Hashtag brand. Hashtag Branson, buddy. Um, all right, Pete. Thanks, man. We'll talk to you soon. From producers Matt Damon and Ben Affleck, explore how art and music sustained hope during the siege of Sarajevo. Thanks in part to humanitarians and the band U2. Kiss the Future. New documentary now streaming exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Go to Paramount Plus to try it free. Terms apply.